You're listening to the Jesus for Everyone podcast, a podcast where we talk about the intersection of faith and social justice and what a first century Jewish prophet of the poor from Galilee offers us today in our work of love, compassion, and justice. To support this podcast, go to RenewedHeartMinistries.com and click donate. Oppressors throughout history have used this concept of taking up one's cross to prioritize themselves over survivors and to encourage oppressed people to passively and patiently endure violence rather than resist it. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of the Jesus for Everyone podcast. My name is Herb Montgomery, and this is episode 388. Our title this week is Taking Up Our Crosses in Justice and Abuse. And our reading this week is from the Gospel of Mark, Mark 8, 27 through 38. Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. On the way, he asked them, who do people say I am? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, still others one of the prophets. But what about you? he asked. Who do you say I am? Peter answered, You are the Messiah. Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. Then he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan he said, you do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? If any anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. So, in in this week's reading, we encounter Jesus' admonition to his followers that they also take up their cross. And I want to talk about that a little bit. This saying has a long history of religious abuse. So, I I, want to to give a word of caution about it. Years ago now, I was invited to a conference on nonviolence and the atonement, and I, I chose to speak on the violence of interpreting the cross itself as salvific, how atonement theories that treat the violent death of Jesus as salvific have borne death-dealing fruit to oppressed communities and or those who belong to marginalized communities. And I explained how the atonement theory specifically of penal substitution has historically produced various forms of social abuse, but also how uh, abuse has been the fruit of all, even the alternative atonement theory, such as moral influence theory and, and Christus Victor. The oppressors throughout history have used this concept of taking up one's cross to prioritize themselves over survivors and to encourage oppressed people to passively and patiently endure violence rather than resist it. And this interpretation has proven 
very convenient for oppressors and and for those who don't want to <clears throat> disrupt the the power imbalance of the status quo it also impacts intimate relationships as well when one spouse suffers physical or emotional abuse at the hands of another for example how many times have christian pastors counseled the abused spouse to to bear their cross or be like jesus and simply turn the other cheek and and i've written at length on other ways to interpret jesus's turn the other cheek as a call to creative nonviolent forms of disruption and protest and resistance and if that's a new idea for you, I want to recommend, I'll put a link to it in this week's e-site, but a primer on self-affirming nonviolence, uh, parts 1 through 10. I interpret the turn-the-other-cheek passages uh, very similarly to the way the late Walter Wink uh, did, as, as he also understood them, to give those who were pushed to the undersides and edges of Jesus' society a way to reclaim and affirm themselves, despite being dehumanized. So this week, alongside the feminist and womanist scholars who have deeply influenced my thinking on, on this passage, I want to suggest that taking up one's cross is not a call to patiently, passively endure the violence of systemic or relational oppression and abuse, uh, but rather it's a call to take hold of life and to stand up against injustice, even if there is a threat for doing so. And this saying, again, is not a call to passively suffer, but to protest, even if the status quo threatens suffering if you speak out. The implications of this are huge, and, and what we're discussing this week is called the myth of redemptive suffering. And I've often repeated Joan Carlson Brown and Rebecca Parker's statement in their classic essay, God So Loved the World? I'll put a link to that this week as well uh, in, in the e-site. The, reading the, the, the essay in its entirety is highly recommended, but this um, um, their, their essay is also uh, the first chapter of the book. Look. Christianity, Patriarch, and Abuse, and you find this uh, section, uh, this quotation uh, on page 18 of that volume. It is not acceptance of suffering that gives life. It is commitment to life that gives life. The question, moreover, is not, am I willing to suffer, but do I desire to fully live? The distinction is subtle and to some spacious, and in the end, it makes a great difference in how people interpret and respond to suffering. If you believe that acceptance and suffering gives life, then your resources for confronting perpetrators of violence and abuse will be numbed. So what did Jesus mean then when he said, take up your own cross? First, Borg and Crossan, Marcus Borg and John Dominic Crossan, I believe they correctly remind us that Jesus's cross in the Gospels was about participation with Jesus rather than substitution by Jesus. This is from their book, The Last Week, What the Gospels Really Teach About Jesus' Final Days in Jerusalem. Uh, they write, for Mark, it is about participation with Jesus and not substitution by Jesus. Mark has those followers recognize enough of that challenge that they change the subject and avoid the issue every time. So, what did Jesus mean then by, by taking up uh, the, the cross or our cross? And while I agree, 
agree with Borg and Crossland about the the theme of of participation being there in Mark rather than than substitution. I disagree with their interpretation that suffering on a cross was intrinsic to following Jesus. I don't subscribe to the idea that suffering is an intrinsic precursor to triumph or success. Suffering only enters the story of following Jesus if those who are benefiting from the status quo feel threatened by the changes that Jesus' new social vision would make, and they threaten his followers with a cross. Being willing to take up one's cross is not a call to be passive in the face of suffering. It's a call to protest and resist even in the face of being threatened with a cross. Taking up one's cross in this context, it means being willing to endure the results of disrupting and confronting and resisting and protesting injustice. The, the, the cross in the Jesus story is a symbol of, of the state violence that those in power threaten protesters with to scare them into remaining passive. Remember, as Brown and Parker wrote, the question is not how much am I willing to suffer, but how badly do I want to live? If those in power threaten you with the cross, then 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 and only then it becomes necessary for you to take up a cross and stand up, up against injustice. Protesting, for instance, doesn't always involve being arrested, but if it does, protest anyway. The goal in scenarios like these is not to suffer, but, but a refusal to let go of life. And how one one interprets taking up one's cross, I believe it has deep implica implica implications uh, for survivors of relational violence and for all who are engaging in any form of social justice work. When those who feel threatened try to intimidate and silence your voice through uh, fear of an imposed cross, this week's reading calls us to count the cost and then refuse to let go of life. Don't be silenced. Though it may sound like an oxymoron on the surface, speaking out in the face of a threat is a form of rejecting death. So, let, let's take uh, relational violence as an example. First, there is the, the relational violence itself, and then we have a choice in our response. And I'm going to put some diagrams in this week's e-site that might make following along with this uh, interpretation a little easier. But uh, let's start with first the abuse. And then we have, again, the, the response. We can either patiently or passively endure that abuse, or can we, we can resist it. Too often, Jesus' teaching of taking up the cross, it's interpreted so that the abuse itself is the cross. In other words, that's just our cross to bear, and therefore taking up one's cross equals patiently or passively enduring that abuse rather than resisting it. I reject this interpretation. The abuse is not the cross that we have to bear, but an initial injustice. And the cross is, is rather, it comes later. It's the threat one receives uh, uh, from, for, for standing up to and resisting injustice. In other words, the abuse or the injustice, yes, still is initial. And then you can either patiently endure that or passively endure that, or you can resist. And then if you choose to resist instead 
instead of just passively enduring it. Remember, it is at that point when we resist against abuse and injustice that we're threatened with the consequences for that resistance. In other words, remaining silent uh, is the goal, trying to keep, trying to make you passively endure. Um, in other words, the threatened cross is not um, patiently enduring suffering. It's it's the threat uh, for speaking out and 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 the decision to stand up and resist anyway. At that moment, it becomes taking up one's cross. It's 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 saying I will not be silenced. I will continue to resist even if you threaten me with a cross for doing so. This interpretation, I think, more accurately uh, follows the narrative we find in the Jesus story. Jesus is encouraging his followers to resist as he did in flipping the tables in the temple courtyard, even though it resulted that within the week in state the state violence of a cross. If a cross comes into the picture, the message is then resist anyway. Jesus's nonviolence was rooted in resistance, and sometimes change happens before oppressors send a cross. At other times, change happens after a cross. But in both cases, suffering may come. It is, and remember, it is not redemptive. Jesus emerged in his Jewish society as someone calling for the just distribution of food and land and the inclusion of those presently marginalized. And his way of structuring human community, it threatened imperial Roman society and those who most benefited from the Roman system. And the early Jesus movement that grew out of an encounter with Jesus, it resulted in a way of doing life together that was also seen as a threat <clears throat> to those in positions of power, <clears throat> excuse me, power and privilege. Uh, when those in power choose to threaten crosses for those who are standing up to systemic injustice, the message is don't let go. Keep holding on to the hope of change, even in the face of impossible odds. Keep holding on to life. For Jesus says, remember, what does it profit you if you gain the whole world by your silence, yet you lose your humanity? Whoever wants to save their life through remaining silent in the face of injustice they will actually be letting go of life. But whoever is willing to fight for life, for equity and equality and love and compassion and inclusion, for a just and safe world that is home for everyone, even if you're threatened with death and death dealing for doing so, so all who refuse to let go of life in these moments, those, those things that are life-giving in these moments, the, 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 you are the ones through whom life is saved, through whom life is found in another world world is, is not only seen as possible, but it's actually created in those moments of refusal. Heart group application this week. Number one, as always, share something that spoke to you from this week's eSight pod, or podcast episode with your heart group. Number two, what difference does it make for you to define taking up your cross as a possible response to your speaking out and resistance rather than as passively bearing abuse or injustice? And discuss that with your group. And then number three, what can you do this week, big or small, to continue setting in motion the work of shaping our world into a safe, compassionate, just home for everyone? Thanks for checking in with us 
today right where you are. Keep living in love, choosing compassion, taking action, and working towards justice. I love each one of you dearly. I'll see you next week.